Welcome to the Brilliant Breakthroughs Business Podcast. We're so happy you're here today to learn about how to create fresh perspectives on profitability, people, productivity, and finding peace in your small business. Today, we're going to dive into something that is not commonly considered to improve your productivity but I am here to tell you it sure does. So hang tight. You're going to be amazed at what you're about to hear today. And I would like to share with you, hi, business rock stars. My name is Maggie Mongan, and I am your host today. I'm a tenured master business coach, trainer, and strategist for almost 20 years now. I am the CEO of Brilliant Breakthroughs, Inc., which is a coaching practice specializing in guiding small businesses to optimize business performance and leadership so they can shine brightly. I'm all about improving our underserved small business sector. I'm, I honestly, and man, this this is my straight up truth. I believe small businesses are the accelerant of our economy. So much so that I founded it what became a number one best-selling business book series for small businesses. Now, don't worry, we'll tell you about that a little later. But more importantly, I want you to realize that like all good things, I didn't do it alone. I invited tenured experts to join me in the authoring process. And today we have with us one of our tenured experts who is a two-time number one best-selling business author. Mike Raber. Welcome, Mike. You're a returning author. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be back. Oh, yes. And what you wrote about this time, you cracked the lid off of it. You were so vulnerable. I can't wait. I'm really excited about talking about this. So your chapter is uh, this new chapter, because you're a returning author, is in volume four, In our series, that's the beautiful amethyst purple cover of the book. And the series is titled Brilliant Breakthroughs for the Small Business Owner. And the subtitle really is where the juice is. It's fresh perspectives on profitability, people, productivity, and finding peace in your business. Mike, your chapter is the fifth one, and it's titled... Um, are your influencer capabilities being overpowered by imposter syndrome? <laughs> and I know this is really going to intrigue many small business owners. So I'm really thrilled that you're with us today. Uh, our listeners are in for a real treat. We need experts like you, Mike, sharing your wisdom to help us navigate through these innovative and definitely transformative times. So should we just dive right into all of this and see if we can wow our listeners? Sure. Sounds good to me. Okay. Now, I just revealed that you wrote about the imposter syndrome. Yes. And that's something that um, unless somebody's been trained in it, I don't think they know exactly what it is. They may have an idea what it is. So I thought instead of us assuming everyone would know, I guess my first question is really going to be, what's, what is the imposter syndrome? Do you have a definition for us? Yeah, yeah. If you were to look at the definition of the imposter syndrome, it's a psychological condition 
characterized by persistent doubt concerning one's abilities or accomplishments accompanied by the fear of being exposed as a fraud, despite evidence of one's ongoing success. Oh, so there's some conflict in how we perceive we're showing up, right? Mm -hmm, definitely. Okay, so let's unpack that a little bit. First of all, it's saying that um, we have doubt that we're capable, good enough, as you talk about in your chapter, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. And then um, we also have the other side of it is even though there's evidence proving differently, we still believe it and we feel like we're fraudulent. Mm -hmm. What do you want to say about that? Because, you know, you, you just studied this for the last year with all your yeah. research. Definitely. Well, I think it's one of those, and I kind of like the term going back to the definition, psychological condition, mm. because in many ways, it is kind of a condition or a hang-up that will get in the way of a lot of people's success. Great example, for years, I always had a passion to teach, a passion to train. And I knew I was good at it, but I always felt like I needed to learn just one more thing work with one more coach, read one more book, take one, it was always one more, one more, one more. And it wasn't until a person looked at me and said, you know, Mike, you are selfish. Like I'm what, what are you talking about? Selfish, I am not. I'm one of the most generous people I know. And he then followed up with, you could offer the world so much, yet you don't because you can't recognize your own genius, your own abilities. And when I realized that, so you're right. I then started asking myself, why? Why does that happen? What is causing me to have these, again, psychological conditions getting in my way and keeping me from showing up and being the leader, being the thought leader that I was designed to be? And I really have a passion to become. Right, right. I, I love what you said because, um, you know, the person that helped you wake up, and said you were selfish, I say that, um, and I've said this for years, is um, they hoard their wisdom instead of sharing it. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's similar, very similar concept. So I love this, the psychological condition, we are dialed in, we're doing it, but yet we still believe we're a fraud. Okay, let's dive into the next question because over the next few interviews, and let's see, we have four more after this, just to talk about this topic alone, we're going to dive deeper into the imposter syndrome and prove methods for overcoming it. So Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, what, well, why don't you start again with saying what the title of your chapter is and why it's so important? Okay, definitely. Going back to the title, um, Oh, the tech let us down. Darn it. Okay. Oh, yeah. are, are we back up? Yes, definitely. Okay. Okay. Yes. Quite technology can be funny sometimes. Uh -huh. Are you going back to the title? Are your influencer capabilities being overpowered by imposter syndrome? And really, and that was kind of my own turnaround in a way. And for a brief second, I'm going to 
kind of separate the title into two okay. components. Influencer capabilities. What do I mean by that? And what's that got to do with imposter syndrome? And again, a psychological condition characterized by da da da, right? Yes. A couple of years ago, two Christmases to be exact, I was talking to my daughter and I've always had this passion, like I was sharing before, to share what I know, yet I didn't have the, the belief that I was ready. And two Christmases ago, my daughter looks at me and says, Dad, I believe that we are all born with a superpower or core genius. And it's our job to figure out what that is and then to share it with the world. <laughs> Your kids she, are always so wise. Yeah. <laughs> share so, so true. many stories. I, I love it. I, I'm like, okay, what are they going to bust you on this time? <laughs> yeah. I always like to say, all in the mouth of babes, as in children, babies. Yes. yes. <laughs> but, okay. So as she said that, I was like, what? What are you referring to? And then it dawned on me what. And then she followed up being the wise kid that she is. And she says, dad, you put the last 25 years of everything you are into raising us three exceptional kids. And they are brilliant in their own right and helping mom. It's time for you now to take that same genius and share it with your own marketplace, share it with the world in essence. And I really took that to heart and asked myself, well, so how am I going to show up? And that kind of goes back to the influencer capabilities. I had the influencer. I wanted to be an influencer. I certainly had the capability to do so. Yet I still felt like I need to learn one more thing, right? Or I needed to do one more thing, kind of pro bono to get the experience, et cetera. And it wasn't until I made up my mind that I am the expert. I am lesson to share. And by golly, I'm going to go out and do just that. And at first, to be totally truthful, I did so in honor of what my daughter said, and I wanted to make her proud. But at the same time, it allowed me to step into my own lane and really, truly step into my own core genius and my own place of who I am. Okay, so she she called you out on it, right? Mm -hmm, definitely. She's like, hey, hey, Dad, you're not really doing what you need to be doing. And she called you out on how you're showing up. And then you, know, you did what most of us do. We're like, oh, well, I'm going to show you. And you know, we <laughs> yeah. were successful in spite of something, right? And that's really common because, and I want to share that because we're talking about psychology, mm. right? Mm -hmm. This being a psychological conditioning. So that's another one. We're conditioned like, mm -hmm, I'm going to show you. And, and we rock whatever it is we want to achieve. But then there comes a place where we realize, no, I want to do this for myself. And, and then you got there, right? Mm -hmm. that, and that's yeah. cool. Thank you. And it was kind of interesting, too, because in volume one and volume two, which I also had chapters in, I talked about what to do. And I shared a great story of back when I was a kid, and I really focused on the application. And it wasn't until when I really started digging and diving deeper into imposter syndrome and to my own challenges that I was working through, through the process of pulling all of this together, that I realized that it doesn't do me any good to tell someone how to do something, say network as an example, or how to put something together if I don't first go back to the condition or conditions that might be standing in their way and keeping them from doing that. And that's why I had uh, 
desire to come back again in volume four and write about imposter syndrome because I really think that the more I work with clients and the more I get to know my own inter challenges, so to speak, it plays a bigger role in a lot of professionals' lives than we want to give credit towards. It sure does. And I remember when I was certified as, um, uh, I can never get it right, a master executive mastermind coach, a mastermind executive coach. Um, <laughs> it was a very long time ago, like over 15 years ago, probably. And the imposter syndrome was one of the things that we were trained in by somebody who wrote a book on it because uh, leaders tend to have the imposter syndrome tenfold. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because we're always being challenged to do things that we don't know. Sometimes we, we really don't know. And mm-hmm. other times we know we could probably learn a little more, or we just had a psychological glitch that we're not good enough. So I have a question for you, Mike. Mm-hmm. The, do, do you, I know you know this because I know you did the research. Can you share with us what the origins of the imposter syndrome um, are? Yeah, definitely. And there's a couple of different places that it came about and it's been talked about in different ways since then. But going back to really what I think when it was first identified in 1978 by a psychologist, Pauline Rose and Clance, Pauline Rose Clance and Susan Imes. Imes? Imes? Yes, thank you. Yeah, Imes. That would make more sense. <laughs> in a paper that they wrote, they, theor- they theorized women were uniquely affected by imposter syndrome. They tend to experience more intensely and be more limited by it. And as they did more research around how women, especially professional women, were affected by in some ways held back by imposter syndrome, held back by themselves through imposter or because of imposter syndrome, it became more widely known as imposter syndrome in subsequent years. Mm, Okay. So here, here's this phenomena happening and two women go ahead and do some research on this, two psychologists, and they know Mm -hmm. how to do the research and they find out Yes, this is a real thing. And I'm sure that's why the psychological conditioning is there Mm -hmm. because it was psychological uh, research, right? Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. And then, and then all of a sudden they start to notice that it's more common in women. And I find that really fascinating for a couple different reasons. And if we look back to when this was first identified in 1978, women are just starting to come on the scene Mm -hmm. in business and in leadership roles, um, you know, in mass. And in the eighties, remember all the women were like, yeah, let me in there. I'm going to be a professional woman and, and all that. So I can see where that research was truly an identification of what was happening for women overall. And I, and I also believe here we are in this century, and I see this commonly in almost every professional. And mm-hmm. I, I can tell you, I experience it at certain times when I'm taking on something new that I'm not 100% confident in. Mm. And I'm highly accomplished in several things, but then 
that one thing over there might be the snag, but not everything is. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a couple different ways that this shows up, and it's pretty sneaky, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and and I love Mike how you you put yourself in the most vulnerable position in this chapter in volume four that you wrote mm. because you tell your stories about how it showed up mm-hmm. and what you experienced, and you also share some other great stories. People may not know this about you, but you're a great storyteller. Mm, so thank you. So there's a lot of cool stuff in there. Before I go on to my next question about you know what are some of the ways this showed up in your life is there something else that you would like to share i was just going to say that one of the things that really jumped out at me too and why i was so glad that i did the research and by writing a chapter in a way forced me to do more research than i otherwise might have one i was fascinated by the topic but right. one of the things going off of what you just got done saying that kept jumping out at me is in my professional life and personal life, I had overcome many, many challenges that most people would look at and say, wow, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you did that and survived. I alone did that, especially <laughs> at the age that I did it. Yes, that is true. <laughs> and yet something as simple as, I don't know, walking on a stage and doing a training that I could do 10 times over easily, I would shy away from because I didn't think I knew enough. And the imposter syndrome started to creep up. And that's where it really showed me that it's more than just confidence or just the knowing that we know how to do it. It's deeper. And until we figure out how to solve for that, it will slow us down. Right. It's alive. It's real. And we all contend with it. I'd be more interested in having a conversation with somebody who says, "Mm -mm, not me, don't have that because Oh, I love a good challenge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it probably won't be such a hard challenge <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to say, hey, what about this? And what about this? What about this? And there it is, right? Right. Because it's human nature. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, I, I want to really emphasize that. I don't know if a lot of people know I have a psychology background as well. And um, sometimes we forget that our glitches our human nature. So, mm-hmm. so we want people to be aware of imposter syndrome and explore how it's showing up in their world and how it may be impeding them, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we don't want to freak them out so much in this episode. <laughs> yes, very true. <laughs> so I just want to make sure that we all get for a moment that this is human nature. Yeah. And it can affect us at different ages too. Like when I was sharing with my younger daughter, who's actually studying psychology now about this chapter, she reminded me of a time when she was, I think a freshman or sophomore in high school. She was pretty young. And we were just talking about things that kids do. And she says, dad, what is the one thing that I could do that would really piss you off? Not because she wanted to piss me off, but it just became kind of the expectations of a parent over a child, right? <laughs> right? And I thought about it for a moment. I thought about things that I was seeing with her friends and kind of in high school and of that age, expectations. And I looked at her and she reminded me of this a few months back that you looked at me, dad, and you said the worst thing that you could think of me doing would be to dummy myself down to appease some boy. Mm. And one, I was kind of glad that that was the worst thing I could think of her doing. <laughs> she was like, she was a pretty good kid. <laughs> right. 
But on the other hand, it also showed, as we kind of talked more about it related to the chapter, that even as a young child, it still can show its ugly head if we let it. Sure. Okay. So um, I know that there's a few things that you could probably share about how it showed up in your life. You start mm-hmm. out our episode sharing a little bit, but what's another way that it appeared for you and you, you noticed it or now you notice it? Well, one way was working with clients. Hmm. I would have, I always had a nagging feeling that there was just one more book I need to read, et cetera. And I'd be working with the client and I would give them information that I would watch radically change their life. And yet they would say, how much do you want? And I would, I don't know, how much is it worth, right? Because of the imposter syndrome. I was afraid that if I said, well, I want X amount, they would say, are you kidding? You're not that good even though I was, and they would have gladly paid it. <laughs> or another example, in I have background in real estate and in training, and I have taught numerous agents on how to build a six-figure income. And I wanted for the longest time to put together a training around that, but I have always had that fear, apostle syndrome, that I would walk out on stage and somebody from the audience would say, uh, Mike, uh, how many houses did you sell last year? Or how much money did you make last year? Which was irrelevant because I was in a training capacity teaching others how to do that. And they did with my training, but oh. still like was able, even I knew I could, I let the process and get in the way. And it kept me from helping a lot more people that I otherwise could have done had I recognized it back then and walked away from it. So no, I had the expertise, used the testimonies and charge forward. Okay, so that's really fascinating because when people judge us, we have this this issue that appears. And sometimes it's as simple as what we call the imposter syndrome now, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just like, oh, maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was, or maybe I don't deserve that, or maybe I need to step it up over here or, you know, whatever. And we, we put ourselves in a position that's less than because mm. of somebody else's perspective, right? Right. And judging ourselves from that person versus from us. Are right. we the best we can be or are we the best we think someone else is? And that's then that's not us. So why are we comparing us to them? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is just cracking it open really, really wide. Okay. So I love this because this leads us into the next question that I really wanted to talk about. And, and it's, What are some of the things you did, Mike, to overcome the feeling of imposter syndrome? Well, the first thing was surrounding myself with people that were doing what I wanted to do and realizing that they had the same, they, in my mind, were out there. They're a success. They're making it. They're rocking it in the world. But in talking to them, I discovered that they too had those inner voices talking to them. They too questioned me. Are you kidding? But they were just a few miles or a few years down the road. And the difference between them and me is they did what they had to do. They stepped into the lane, they owned the lane, and they became that. Whereas I was still moving in that direction. And when I realized that, yes, I am an expert. Yes, I know enough to do what I want to do. And that we're all experts in our own ability, our own right. Mm-hmm. And again, going back to comparing ourselves to others, that 
as soon as I realized that at the end of the day, we're all human. We all have our strengths. We all have our weaknesses and we all bring our own gifts to the world. A lot of the imposter syndrome concerns started to fall away because I now know what I'm here to do. And I know that I'm pretty good at doing that. And one such person, the client and friend of mine, George A. Santino, who you and I both know, he and I were talking one day and he wrote, in fact, he wrote a book called Get Back Up from the streets to Microsoft Suites. And he's a really cool guy mm-hmm. because he came from the streets. He came from the Philly projects. And he was told growing up over and over and over, you're not gonna make it. You're not, you, you can't, you don't have what it takes. And he said, so you says, I disagree. And he did it and he did it and he did it. And he moved up the ranks and eventually became a partner for Microsoft. And he and I were talking again when I was, in fact, there's a couple of different um, quotes that he has in the book that he looked at me and he said, funny you say that because I was just sharing with, he was sharing with his daughter that he spent 20, his entire 20 year career at Microsoft hoping not to be found out. And after retiring, his first thought was, wow, I can't believe I got away with it. <laughs> and if he can have those thoughts, why would it be a normal for me too to have those thoughts? Right. And I know George, he's highly accomplished. So every time you say this, it makes me chuckle. And I can't wait till I speak with him next because mm-hmm. it's, it's so powerful, but think about that. We're psychologically conditioned to believe that we're not going to amount to anything because we're a kid in the projects Mm -hmm. and because he knew differently or he wasn't going to settle for it or whatever the case is. I can't wait to hear what it is. Um, Hmm. He just kept moving and his book is a great story. It's a great story because he didn't just go from the projects to a Mm. partner at Microsoft. He did a lot of things and he had shared with me how he believed in the American dream. And matter of fact, he is, his quote and conversation is the opening of our introduction in the book series, in each book. Mm. It, we, we um, talk about what George said about the American dream. And if anybody, if anybody I said, anybody <laughs> um, knows better, it's George, but he, he didn't stop. He didn't believe in what other people were telling him, right? Right. And what was so cool, and besides, I mean, became a great friend, but also a mentor to me, is he would always give me challenges. Mm-hmm. And his mindset was, was so fun. I love talking to him because the way he thought and the way he conditioned his mindset to keep imposter syndrome from sneaking in. And one time I remember he and I were having lunch and I had to write a business plan for my for the president of the firm at the time. And it was raining. We were in Seattle. It was raining outside. And I was bummed out because I had to go to Starbucks the next day and spend the whole day writing this business plan. And I'm complaining to him about that. And he goes, first of all, you, do you have to or do you want to write the business plan? It's like, well, I told him how to do it. Okay, but do you have to or do you want to? Well, yeah, I guess I want to because I know that it will help put my business in the right position for success for the upcoming year. So he goes, okay, that's good. Now, what's your concern? Wow, my concern is it's raining outside. I got to sit in Starbucks for the next two days working on it. 
I said, okay, what if there was a better place? And it kind of sounded like, what, a beach in a tropical island somewhere? I don't know. He goes, that'd be a good start. Because yeah, he goes, where's the closest tropical island? Now we're in Seattle, so I thought about it and said, I don't know, Hawaii. He goes, that would work. Why don't you go to Hawaii and write your business plan there? Now this is Friday afternoon. I had to turn the business plan in on Sunday. So it's like, okay, so you're suggesting that I get on a plane tomorrow, fly to Hawaii, write my business plan and turn it on Sunday? He goes, yeah. Who does that? <laughs> Again, the self-talk, the imposter syndrome, right? Who, me? I'm going to do this? A, I can't afford it. And B, nobody does that. Who does that? Mm. Mike, if you had a Gulf Stream parked in your backyard, would this be an issue? I said, no, I'd get on the plane, I'd fly over to Hawaii, and I'd be done. He goes, well, pretend you have one. It's like, come on, George, let's be real here. He goes, I am being real. I know what I would do. I would contact my airlines. He goes, you fly all the time. I'm sure you got a lot of frequent flyer miles. Why don't you see how many miles it would take to fly out of Hawaii? In fact, why don't you see if you can book a hotel there while you're at it, using your miles, no money out of pocket, and nothing else. You will learn that anything is possible if you make up your mind. So long story short, <laughs> I used the miles. Not only did I fly to and from Hawaii, I did a first class and stayed in a five-star hotel on the beach. And I woke up the next day and I went out down to the beach and I wrote my business plan. It was probably the best business plan I've ever written. And I then put it away, submitted it, went back to the airport, got on the plane, flew back to Seattle and life happened. And it was kind of like a Cinderella effect because even though it was so far out of my comfort zone and yes, life happened, my Gulf Stream turned back into a pumpkin <laughs> but I was never the same. <laughs> you were never the same. And that's what those possibility moments do. Mm. They they put us in a different space. Yeah. I love that. See, now this is sort of funny because the other side of that would be, hey, how wonderful. You have to bust out this business plan and it's going to rain for the next two days get going on it you know so it, it's so funny how we have a mindset and our mindset opinion thought conditioning is going to alter how we experience something yeah so true and either one would have been fine as long as i was down with it but what he did was he he got you out of the attitude you were in Mm-hmm. and open it up like yeah i can go do this i can do it i i can do this you know and and it's just like wow and you you stepped into it so this is so cool i bet you're going to share another story with us next time aren't you oh yeah you definitely. probably have one for each episode that we have coming up because you're such a great storyteller <laughs> at least one maybe two <laughs> yeah yeah i agree with that okay now, I know we're getting a little close on time, so I'd like to ask you another question. And this will probably be our wrap-up question. Mike, mm -hmm. you ready? Yeah. Why is it so important for small business owners to pay attention to whether they do or do not have the imposter syndrome alive and well? Ah, good question. 
And the answer is very simple. This fear has no basis in reality. Aha. Yet the threat. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not going to let you continue for a moment. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> because that is powerful. Okay, so, so remember what you're going to say next. Mm-hmm. You said, this is so simple. This fear has no basis in reality. Correct. Period. Exclamation yep. point. Mm-hmm. It's a perception. Right. It's, it's a conditioned thought. It is not reality. Mm-hmm. I want that to sink in for our listeners for a moment, Mike. That's why I, I pulled you back. Ah, thank you. Yeah. Yes. And it's funny because one of my favorite Zig Ziglar quotes is the definition of fear is F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. Mm-hmm. And what closer definition to the true definition of imposter syndrome is that? <laughs> yeah, but yet um, you were saying it still feels very real. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. And that's the trick. It's a threat can feel real. And it doesn't matter. Both men and women can be and often are influenced by the feeling of being a poser or imposter syndrome. The thing is, though, and this is really, again, why I wanted to write this chapter now versus all times, given the year a lot of us have had. Mm-hmm. It's time to own your own path. And for all of us to show up as the expert that we are and not let fear of not being good enough stop us. Another lesson George taught me when we were talking a couple weeks back was learn to say yes to every opportunity. Even if you don't know how to do it, if you are seen as the person who always says yes, more opportunities will be presented to you. And I have found that over and over and over in my own life, that because I will often boldly say, sure, I'll do it. How can I help you? Whether I know what I'm talking about as far as how to help them, I don't genuinely will offer before I even realize whether or not I know how to do that. I remember I was asked to give a presentation a couple of months back and I said, sure, no problem, not realizing that the presentation started in an hour. <laughs> so I did some quick changing in the slide deck, did a presentation, it turned out to be a great presentation because I didn't let fear or imposter syndrome get in the way, I just acted. And because the more we do that, the more people see us as a yes person. They will ask us to show up. And then once we show up, the next trick is don't just show up and fumble through it. (laughs) Show up and quickly learn how to do it. And, or even more importantly, surround ourselves with people who know more than we do. I'm a firm believer that I know what I do and I do it very well. And I surround myself with other people whose strengths are my weaknesses. And together we show up as the expert. I really like that, Mike, because uh, one of the things that we see in leadership, and then we'll talk about small business in a moment, but leaders, they they have this really big imposter syndrome issue going on in their world. And they hire people who are not going to help them show up stronger. They hire people who are, 
inferior in their skills and capabilities to them. And that's why they don't succeed as easily. Mm-hmm. And, that, and then they perpetuate fear, which then helps accelerate everyone's imposter syndrome, right? Yeah. And yet what you just said, I think this is one of those points where small business is actually leading corporate. Mm. Okay. Um, and why I say that is because small business, uh, the, the owners tend to, some do, some don't, but I think overall it's still more than corporate of the owners will go ahead and say, you know, I don't know how to do this. I need to find somebody who can help me mm-hmm. learn how to do this. Or I need to surround myself with a better group of people for whatever it is they're trying to achieve. Um, you know, what's that saying? If you're the smartest person in the room, you should leave the room. Mm-hmm. Something like that. I don't yeah. remember exactly what it is, but uh, most cool. of us have heard it, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what this is talking about. It's find a group of experts that's going to help bring out the best in you and amaze you with what comes out of you instead of settling mm-hmm. for what everybody else believes you're capable of, right? Yep, so true. And in fact, oh. it's kind of funny, a great success nugget that when I got back from Hawaii and George and I were talking and he shared the story with me that was an, a great example of leadership of what comes out of doing exactly what you and I are talking about now. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, a little because of time, I don't have time to really go into the story, but I promise you in the next episode that you and I do together, that I will share that story. It is one of the most brilliant things I've heard him say. Oh, so he's going to tease us a little bit here. Okay, Mike, write down right now so you don't forget because this is a promise. Yeah. <laughs> and we want to stay in our integrity. Okay, yeah. and while you're doing that, I want to emphasize something else you said a little earlier is um, show up as the expert you are. Don't let the fear of not being good enough stop you. And boy, if that's not something that everybody needs to hear, perhaps more importantly this year, because everybody's looking for guidance. And if you just happen to say the one thing and you only need to say one thing, that serves. So um, just like you were saying with your presentation that you did on the fly, we're here to serve. This is how we can make a big impact by something really simple. Mm -hmm. if we can allow ourselves to own it yeah so true right i love this okay so next time you're going to share that wonderful story Mm -hmm. right you made note yep definitely okay and there'll probably be a couple other stories attached to it knowing us (laughs) (laughs) well george does set it up wonderfully doesn't he (laughs) yeah okay um Let's hit pause for now because we have four more episodes and I know you're going to unpack this even further Mm -hmm. for everyone. And um, right now, this actual recording is occurring before the book releases. So I hope everybody takes time on 11-11-2020 to go ahead and get the book because even if you only read one chapter, you're going to win. You're going Mm -hmm. to win. And what I find fascinating is I think that's true with each one of our chapters this year. If somebody only read one of them, they would get more than their money's worth from the book. 
and um, it doesn't matter which one it is, but we all have certain flavors we like, right? Yep, so true. Okay, so listeners, this is how you can learn more and engage with number one best-selling business author, Mike Raber. Start by reading chapter five in volume four of the book, Brilliant Breakthroughs for the Small Business Owner. And on 11-11-2020, you can go to Amazon and it's the one with the purple amethyst cover. Also, I want you to know that at the end of Mike's chapter, he has a gift for you and your business's performance. And when you accept that invitation, you simplify your small business success. So um, Mike, can you tell us what's at the end of that chapter? Do you remember? Yeah, I basically take the framework that I learned and put together into a very concise lesson of basically the four secrets of overcoming imposter syndrome. (laughs) Okay, well, that's a little valuable. (laughs) Yeah. All right. And um, I know that it's sort of a long URL. So we we will have that in the show notes for everyone. So don't worry about that. You can go to our podcast and check it out. We'll have that for you. Um, So thank you for that, Mike. Plus, at the end of your chapter, you also have a business page with all your social media handles, all sorts of ways to connect with you, um, which is really cool. And Right now, there's something that everybody can do who's listening or who's not even listening. You can share this with your friends as well. You can go to your app store and download our mobile app. It's Brilliant Biz Book. So go to your Play Store, type in Brilliant Biz Book, all one word. And in there, you will see, first of all, all of our podcasts are there. Second of all, you will see something called ask an expert and you can find mike raber's name there and i I say that because we also have another mike but mike raber is who we're talking to today and you can type a question that you have and he'll get it and he'll respond back to you isn't that pretty cool yep definitely plus the community page too i would love to hang out talk with them there too Oh, yes. Thank you for mentioning that. We just started a community page on that app for small business owners. So all of our authors, which are experts serving the small business community, are presenting um, snippets and tips and all sorts of good stuff there, as well as you could too, and or make comments. We would love to hear what you need and what you're enjoying. So um, please feel free to engage with us there. Thanks for mentioning that, Mike. It's so new, I keep forgetting. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. It's like spanky new. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes that's the best kind of new. Right, right. And listeners, I also want to tell you, um, we alluded to the fact that Mike's a returning author. So he's done some other podcast episodes. We will have these in the um, show notes as well you might want to start from the beginning. Can you believe episode number seven was Mike's first? Yeah. That goes back a ways. Yeah. Because actually we're at 157 with this episode, Mike. Wow. So 150 episodes have happened between your first one and this one. Nice. And they're all amazingly brilliant. Oh, gee. 
Thank you. <laughs> okay, so episode 7, 21, 30, 38, 47, 60, 66, 76, 83, 89, 93, and 145. This will make 157. Mike, you rock. So glad you're back for another round. And you're doing it in the most intimate way you can, revealing your glitches and helping everyone else have brilliant breakthroughs so they can win big in the 21st century. Thank you. You're welcome. It's great to be back. Whoo, yes. Yes, it is. All right. And listeners, we appreciate you listening to the Brilliant Breakthroughs Business Podcast where you learn about how to create more brilliant breakthroughs for your small business. Shine brightly until next week.